Would you turn again to that chapter we read? <clears throat> John chapter 18. Gospel of Christ according to John chapter 18. And we may take as our text this evening verse 25. And Simon Peter stood and warned himself. They said therefore unto him, Art not thou also one of his disciples? He denied it and said, I am not. Art thou also one of his disciples? He denied and said, I am not. What is a disciple? Well, if you look it up in a dictionary, it will give you a description, something like a follower of the doctrines of a teacher, a follower of the doctrines of a teacher. Now, we think of disciples usually as the 12 who were chosen by the Lord to be with him while he was in this world. Part, of course, from Judas, they were true followers. But it's not only the dictionary that defines a disciple. It has a wider meaning than true born-again companions of the Lord Jesus Christ. Scripture itself also tells us of disciples. For example, we read of John in, in John chapter 6. You remember what happened there after he had preached, and then we read many of his disciples went back. So obviously they were not all true believers, yet they were called disciples. Those who were seen for a time to follow him. We did also, of course, of John the Baptist. Now, we read also that he had disciples with him. We read, for example, in Matthew 9 about that and elsewhere. But also the Pharisees themselves. We read of them that they are claiming to be the disciples of Moses. In other words, those who are taught and followed the doctrines and the teaching of Moses. So the term disciples is not just to be confined to the 12 following the Lord. And of course, if there's a teacher, there must therefore be pupils. Those who learn from the one they follow. So the word then has a wider meaning than to do with those who actually lived in the days, as said, of the Lord that we know of the 12 disciples. Now that also then must mean that therefore any even today who follow the Lord Jesus Christ, his doctrines, his teaching, and those who seek to live by the teaching of Scripture of the Lord, also can be regarded as disciples. So if you are here tonight as a follower of the Lord, 
you are in very real terms a disciple. And for us all, then friends, coming to our text here this evening, this is a very relevant question tonight. Art not thou also one of his disciples? And I wish tonight to try and challenge you, maybe make some feel uncomfortable about it. But I think it is necessary for us to be challenged, all of us, to examine ourselves as whether we are disciples and the mark of it. And even if it doesn't feel comfortable for you, as another used to say that we used to listen to, if the cap fits, then you must wear it. So, friends, I ask you on the two headings tonight, first of all, the question here, why was Peter asked the question, and why should anyone here be asked the question? First of all, regarding Peter, why was Peter asked the question here, are thou not also one of his disciples? Well, obviously, because he was seen in the company of the Lord and his followers. Three times, three different people ask him, bring it up in different ways, question examining him, because he was seen in the company of the Lord. So there was obviously good grounds for the question that they asked. There was a good reason why they asked that question. You can see what was behind it, why they would say such a thing. No, friend, I asked you tonight. If you were challenged tonight in the same way, art not thou also one of his disciples, how would you answer? What would your honest answer be this evening here? Would someone, even maybe a number of people, be able to ask you this because of where and what they know about you? Why would they do so? On what basis would anybody ask someone here tonight? On what basis would someone else ask, art thou not also one of his disciples? You see, they may well have a good reason, as they had for Peter, based on their observation of you. And it was based on the observation that they had of Peter, where he was found, the company that he kept, where he went to. All these things, it was a fair question to ask of him. And so I ask you tonight, if somebody asked you, what would be a basis for asking this? Would it be because what they've observed about you? Would it be because of obvious changes in your experience, in your life? After all, would it not be a fair question for someone to ask if you met them tomorrow or other times of those maybe who know a bit about you? After all, you often now not seen going to church on the Sabbath. You're identified in that way. Some, some of you even go into a midweek meeting. You are known to be maybe a frequenter of other services and sometimes going to church fellowships and so on. And people are going to ask. A good question, I know also not one of his disciples. But not only are you seen in the company of those who identify themselves with the Lord, but also would it not be possible that they're asking it and can ask you because of they now have heard 
or how you are heard now, if you like, to speak more of the language of what would be regarded as the conversation of a believer. Could that be true of yourself here tonight? What would be true? Well, how you speak now is so different to how it used to be. The things you speak about, what seems to be in your conversation. And you now maybe use the name of Christ in a right way. Maybe you once didn't do that. Art thou one of his disciples? You speak now about heaven. And you speak about hell. And you sometimes speak about sin in a way you never did before. Completely transformed in the way that you speak. Where you go, what you do, the company you keep. And in that sense, it can be said of you, as we read of Peter elsewhere, thy speech betrayeth thee. From what you are saying, it is evident there is something here. Why cannot I ask that question? Someone might say to you. It's a lawful question. It's a legitimate question. Because I have been observing you. I have seen what you're doing. I've seen where you're going. I've listened to your conversation. And how you are now, there's a change of some sort. Art thou one of his disciples? Now, of course, friends, in a small community like your own, when people know what's going on, it is natural that they would ask such things. If they see things are different, your priorities may have changed. It is not that they will ask them, is that person become a Christian? Are you? A Christian, are you a follower of the Lord? Are you now one of his disciples? Some of us remember. Maybe here tonight you remember or some people asked yourself these things. They saw a change in your life. They saw the difference. That was a lawful question. Nothing wrong with it at all. But then, not only will people surmise rightly or wrongly regarding your lifestyle as to where you now are often found, the different emphasis in your conversation, but also not only will they observe where you now are and the company you keep, but also where you're now not found. And where it is that you once were frequenting, but not any longer. Are thou one of his disciples? Are thou a follower? Are you a follower of Jesus? So, friend, very often it's where you are not found. Some of us, again, can very much identify with that, being questioned about that very thing. I remember my own experience, if I can say. Why are you not here anymore? And why is it? What has happened? I made excuses, sadly, initially. But I knew that it was not where I wanted to be anymore. And maybe you're like that here tonight. And so when somebody asks you the question, it's a lawful one. You might not feel comfortable answering it at all times, but you know that there's a reason behind it. When you're no longer found in places you want frequented, and the people are beginning to notice this, the company you now keep is not what it once was. Well, it's not that you cannot and should not be friends with those who have ever been your friends and try, if you like, and and, and influence them in some way. You can, of course, and we should try and keep up relationship. But deep down, is it true of you tonight that you now find, find more of an affinity 
with, if I can say, church people, if I can say, with those who are Christians. Is that a description of you tonight? Am I describing you tonight? Is there something here that, yes, I have to acknowledge this? Is there something here of that question maybe hitting home to you? All this is true of you, and yet you know it's true of you. And yet, what is also true, you are yet saying with Peter, despite all that you know, and all that you feel, and all that you recognize, I am not. He denied it and said, I am not. Why? Why are you denying it? If the Lord has done a work in your life, why is it that you now deny it? What is the problem? Well, it wasn't, friend, that Peter wasn't a true disciple. Of course he was. But here we see a moment of weakness he denied the Lord. Is that again a description of you? But how many moments have you had where you've denied the Lord? How many times have you just let it go and rather than acknowledge it, that you have either kept your mouth shut and that speaks loudly as well? But then again, you might be saying here tonight, yes, I know deep down in my heart, I have a good hope that I'm a changed person by the grace of God. But I'm afraid of giving people the wrong impression. What wrong impression? What wrong impression? Are you saying then, as you must be, I know that I'm changed, but I'm ashamed of being seen as a disciple of the Lord Jesus. That, friends, is what it comes down to. If you know tonight, if you know your life has been changed, if you know that your desires are different, if you have come to know what your sin deserves, if you now see Christ as the only Savior for you, taking the punishment for your sin, oh, why, oh, why, dear friend, will you not speak up? Why, oh, why would you deny it? Why, oh, why will you not come out and say so? What is keeping you? Why is it that some in this very building tonight have not done so? Maybe some of you for years happy enough to come to church, happy enough to be with Christian company. You wouldn't want any other really. And yet you are unwilling to take a stand on the side of the Lord. And may I say also some here, definitely slightly talk of it, but some here are Christians. Is your witness what it ought to be? Are you showing? Are you ever ashamed to say that you're a Christian or to speak up against the things that are so anti-Christian? Why would we deny it? No, I know. I do know, of course I do. As I mentioned earlier on, sometimes it's not easy. And especially when we begin. It's not always straightforward. But you know what, friends? It can, I believe that it can, there's a point where it becomes a sin to say you're not a believer in Christ. 
it becomes a sin to say that you're not with Christ and a believer in Christ. Oh, you say, but I, I, I see others and I know they profess and they don't seem to, to see the need to be committed. I see others and they're, ha they're really, I would say, half-hearted. They're not very impressive as Christian, but I believe they're Christian. You might even be saying here tonight, after all, I was here this morning and I heard you saying that salvation is not in making the public profession. There's not salvation just by sitting at the Lord's table. And yes, friend, that is true. And I say that again. But anyone who knows that they are saved by the grace of God and don't make that public, and yet you like to live by the word, you must ask yourself, why am I denying my Lord? Why am I not showing it? Am I really ashamed? Oh, I'm not ashamed. Why not then? And you're not saying it. Friend, you've got to accept it. You've got to acknowledge it. As I said, it's not about perfection. It's not about sinlessness. It's about standing in the grace of God, in the strength that the Lord Jesus Christ gives you. Now, I know, sadly, that for some people, Christianity is nothing more than a label. And they pick it up and use it when it suits themselves. But you know, that's not who you wanted to be, don't you? You don't want to be like that. Deep down as well as there are some here tonight and yes, oh, I wish I had the strength. My dear friend, Christ will give you the strength. And if you stand on his side, and if you're not ashamed to own him, he will be with you. So I say to you tonight, you, if I can call you, you halting between two opinion friends here. Remember the words of the Lord. He that is not with me is against me. So I say to you, with Peter and his experience, learn from it. And if you are asked this question, when you are asked clearly, art not thou also one of his disciples? I say this to you, friend, dare to be a Daniel and not a Peter. Stand and not be ashamed to do this. Surely this, he is worthy of standing on the side. If you come to know anything at all of his mercy and his forgiveness and his love, why are you hiding it? Why should you hide it? Yes, there can be moments of weakness, sadly, as we'll see with Peter and others. But it's not something to commend them in any way whatsoever. Well, he was a Christian after all, and later on he did well. Yes, he did. But that does not take away. And I, if you read through Peter's life later on and his own epistles, you'll see it coming across. He was obviously disturbed by what he did. He hated himself in a sense for what he did. And so do many of the Lord's people at times. But let's not be ashamed, friends. So when people ask us this, remember they have a reason to ask. They wouldn't just ask that out of the blue, would they? You've given them a reason to ask the question. Are you a Christian? They have a reason to ask the question. Are they also one of his disciples? They must have seen a change in you. So why deny it? Yes, dare to be a Daniel 
and not a Peter. So, friends, why Peter and you are asked the question. But then, secondly, where then does your problem lie? Where does your problem lie? Now, some people are very clear and are able to say very positively, yes, I am one of his disciples. But you might be here tonight saying, I find it difficult. You may be saying, I agree with all that you've said. I know that my life has changed. I know that Christ has transformed my life. And I do love to be with the Lord's people. I do love God's house. I have begun now to love the Bible, the word of God. I can even pray a bit now. All these things are what's more important to me. But, but what? But what? Is it like Peter, the fear of man? Is that what's behind it? Is that your trouble here this evening? Oh, he was certainly afraid at this time. He was afraid for his own life. But friend, we can't use that as an excuse. Whatever else. Oh, yes, you will likely face opposition. And you will likely face difficulties. Some people may even make your life very difficult, even within your own home and your own family. They may well make it difficult if you take a stand. And you may be thinking, what will people think of me? Well, my friend, here is Peter, and he's showing a lack of faith. And he's forgetting all that he had heard from the Lord himself. Afraid. Afraid for his life. Remember what the Lord said elsewhere. Fear not them that kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul. Of course you might have difficulties. Indeed, you will have difficulties. Make no mistake about it. There's not a Christian here who hasn't in one way or another, to some degree or other, from time to time, suffered for being a Christian. But let's not forget this, friend. The words of the Lord there, fear not them that kill the body and not able to kill the soul. Or even forget, friend, the Lord's promise, for example, to Joshua, I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. That's the promise you have when you take a stand on the Lord's side. No, friend, I know here I can understand if you know you're not a believer that you shouldn't claim to be on the Lord's side. Of course not. But if you are, as Peter was, a follower, but overtaken by the fear of man, I tell you this, at this time anyway, Peter is not the example to follow. Peter is not the example to follow. So many of us say, oh, we like Peter. Yes, we are. And most of us can see something of Peter in us all. But here is an experience of Peter, a time in his life when we should not be like him. And we should not be afraid to stand on the Lord's side. We read elsewhere in, in, in Luke's gospel that the Lord turned and looked upon Peter. And Peter went out and he wept bitterly in repentance. But he had done the deed. Do you know what it's like sometimes to have 
in one way or another, denied the Lord. And then afterwards, oh, the pain of it. That you never said a word. That you allowed other people to say things that you didn't, shouldn't even have heard. The agony of such a situation. Denied the Lord. Oh, my friend, could it be that this very night in Sandwich Church here, that the Lord is looking down on you here tonight, sitting in this church once again under the gospel, once again with the Lord's people, once again, that all going on in your own experience. And the Lord is looking down with love and mercy and understanding towards you. And you're still denying him. You're still denying him. Peter was brought, of course, to repentance. He went out and wept bitterly. And we know that soon after he was never again ashamed to own his Lord or to nail his colors to the mast. If you have up till now been ashamed to own the Lord, or if you have denied, put me this way, if up till now you have denied the Lord by unwilling to stand publicly on his side, my dear friend, don't let it continue. Nail your colors to the mast. Let it be seen sooner rather than later. Up till now you may well have been denying your work of grace in your life. Up till now, you may have been denying you savingly know the Lord Jesus. But I ask you this, you know that how long is it going to continue that you're going to deny it? How long is it going to be that you are not going to show that forth? Oh, there's so many, and I'm sure every single person in here tonight who has not as yet professed their faith, but every single person, whoever you are here tonight, you hope to enter heaven, even if it were by the back door. But everyone has a hope of heaven, that that's where you'll be. Is that how it is with you tonight? You don't mind to some degree being identified with those who come to church. You don't mind to some degree identified with the Lord's people. But what about showing you are standing with the Lord of his people and the people of the Lord? That's the test. That's what's required of us all. And Peter here in his heart, I have no doubt, even here, he had a hidden love for the Lord. His love was there, but it was hidden. And the situation he found himself in uh, took over, and he denied his Lord. But you see, friend, at this time, in one sense, we know that this is the way it had to be with the Lord Jesus, that all forsook him and fled. But at the same time, while that is so, there is no excuse for it. And at this time, when the Lord Jesus was being treated so unjustly, friend, this was not the time to hide his light under a bush, or you either. This is the time, friends. And there are times for words and action. There are times in your life for words and action. For you and I. Oh, there are secrets. You've got your Nicodemuses. We did about them. We've got the Joseph Arimathea. 
who were secret disciples for a time. But what do we read? Eventually, where they stood was evident, and they made their allegiance known. My dear friend, is this not the time for you to do the same? You've been long enough putting off. This is the time to stand on the Lord's side. Never mind, as it were, keep your head down and hoping, well, maybe later. This is the time. If ever there was a time when we needed to be encouraged as a congregation and as a people of God to hear that there are those who are standing on the Lord's side without being ashamed to do so. But of course, tonight, in all fairness, you might be troubled by your silence, maybe over many years or not a long time. You are, and you might be troubled by your silence and your lack of courage to stand on the Lord's side. Well, I hope you are. I hope you are, my friend. You're troubled by it. So you should be if you love the Lord. And may I say also again, speaking to those of us who are here as believers, how ashamed we should be often. We don't stand as we should on the Lord's side. Well, be encouraged by this, friends. Scripture makes clear, very clear, if you have even the slightest love in your heart for the Lord Jesus Christ, it is only because he has first loved you. You cannot have real, genuine love for Christ arising from your own soul, except first. He had began, and he moved you and spoke to you, to your soul. It is because he has first loved you. And my dear friend, if he has first loved you, he has died for you. And if he has died for you, he will take you undeserved as you are to be with himself in glory one day. Why then? Would you not acknowledge him when you are asked the question? Oh, you say, I believe that. I believe that is where my hope lies. My friend, then show it. Show it. And declare your hope in him. Not hiding away. Stand on his side. Here is the problem so often we are afraid. Man, the fear of man so often with us. And yes, I believe sometimes I am sure, I don't know, am I hers or am I not? That can be there. That can be there. Of course it can. But you know, deep down, you want to go back to the world? Ask yourself, go back the way you were? Is that what you want? You say, oh, of course not. Why is that? It is only because of the power of the Spirit of God. I believe convicting and converting a person brought to that place. Well, friend, as I conclude, let me ask you a question or question. You know, I believe that in the very near future, or certainly in the next, I believe, the next 10 years, that is very doubtful in this nation of ours, that you'll be allowed 
to speak of Christ outside the four walls of a church building. There'll be some laws taken in not to show and speak to others or seek to convince others as we have in our things at this time. I believe that is so. So I ask you this. If being a Christian in that way, an open Christian becomes illegal in this country, and if you were taken to court and charged with being a Christian, would you be declared innocent of the charge? Or would there be enough evidence to convince you of being a believer? Now there's a question. Ask yourself. Here you are in a court of the land. All the charges against you. He goes to church. He has stopped drinking. He doesn't go here. He goes there. He speaks about the love of Christ. That's the charges against you. How would they find? Oh, yes, he's guilty. What else would they say? Well, I know he says that, but he doesn't do this, and he doesn't go that, and he doesn't seem to believe this and that the next thing. Not killed. What a fearful thing. What a fearful thing. That we would be found not guilty. He's not a Christian. Hear this text here, art not thou also one of his disciples? It can be translated literally as if they're saying, you surely are not one of his disciples, are you? With, as it were, bit of disgust as well. You surely are not one of them. That's what they're saying to him. You surely, you of all people, surely you're not one of them. And so when that comes to yourself, How do you answer? My dear friend, if you believe that you are, by the grace of God, oh, say it loudly and clearly and show it, show in it what you know and what you are going to do. You know what you should do. But if you are saying, no, I am definitely not a Christian, then you're lost. And dear lost friends here tonight, Seek him tonight before it's too late, before your lostness takes you into a lost eternity forever. And the day comes when you are saying, as you are now, I'm denying, I am not a believer. But the day will come. If that is so, and what is the Lord going to say to you to declare about you? I never knew you. Depart from me. Is that because he wasn't willing and able to save to the uttermost? Absolutely not. My dear friend, are you going to find yourself on that great day and you have not stood on the side of Christ? And so I ask you once again this question, a lawful question, although they might have been asking it for the wrong reasons in one sense, but the question itself stands, are not thou also one of his disciples? How, how 
Do you answer that question? Let's pray. Oh, blessed Lord, forgive us for our unwillingness to stand on thy side. But may our standing together in the name of Christ, not just of an outward form, but because it is a transformation of heart that has brought us to the place where we can say that we love the Lord. Blessed Lord, look upon us in mercy each and every one and love us freely and take away sin for Christ's sake. Amen.